0: Good morning, guys. Hope is going to be the point of our message today. In the beginning of all time ever, everything was absolutely perfect. You guys know this. It's Genesis 1 and 2 and part of 3. Everything was absolutely perfect. God created and his people walked with him. There was communion with God, perfect provision. There was peace. There was joy. There was no sin. There was no death. And then it wasn't like that anymore. You guys know this the snake deceives, the people disobey, consequences abound. It was absolutely good, and then it wasn't. And it hasn't been as it once was ever since it wasn't. The great fall has ruined and has touched all of us. Do you ever long for what was lost all those years ago? I mean, do you ever want something Long for the day that something will be made right that is wrong in your life. I do. There's this woman that writes a lot of really wonderful uh, messages about Advent. Her name's Fleming Rutledge. And um, she has this line, and I think it's appropriate to use it for this first week of Advent. She says this, Friends, Advent begins in the dark. Like Zach had mentioned, as the church, we live in between two advents, two arrivals. And this is a specific time of each year for us to take time to focus on just exactly that idea, these two arrivals and this time in between. The first advent being the coming of Jesus Christ, God incarnate in the flesh, the great savior of God's people that was promised since the very beginning. And the second advent is the coming back Of that same Jesus Christ, to end evil and wickedness and broken and Satan once and for all. So each year we stop to think about this time of waiting, the season of Advent, remembering the promise fulfilled in Jesus, and longing for the promise to be fulfilled in the coming back of Jesus. And each year Advent begins in the dark. The world is incredibly broken. You guys know this. This is not news to us in this room. I don't know if you've heard this, but there's been a drought in Somalia for a while now. Have you heard about this? This drought is affecting more than 6.7 million people in Africa right now. Around 1.5 million children in Somalia are likely to be acutely malnourished by the end of 2022, within the next month. And more than 1 million people have been displaced due to this drought. And over Thanksgiving, my sister-in-law uh, shared with me this video. She was pretty disturbed by it, actually, and it was uh, news, uh, some news people. And they were in Somalia, on the ground there, And there was this lady, this anchor woman, and she was in the hospital there in Somalia. And there were all these children dying in the same room. It was really unnerving to see. I mean, they're thirsty, they're malnourished, and they're starving. And then they show up close, this one woman, she's holding and rocking and trying to soothe her baby, who's two years old, but who looks more like he's just, I don't know, like six, seven months maybe. And the baby is wheezing and crying, but it can't produce tears because it's that famished. And then it, it ends, this lady talking, the interviewer, she ends by saying, and that baby you just saw died last night. This world is very broken. I don't know if you've heard about this. There's a war going on in Ukraine. This is a fact I looked up this week thinking about this idea. There are 2.3 million people in America that are incarcerated for Thanksgiving this last week. Think about that. In our country, 2.3 million people locked away. This next fact is something really dear to my own heart. There are over 400,000 children and teenagers in the foster care system in America. Which also, don't don't overlook this fact, which also equals so many parents out there whose children have been removed from them. Like last month, there there are car wrecks that are taking lives of young people. In our own church, loved ones have passed away too early. Marriages have fallen apart or maybe are currently falling apart. Cancer has wreaked havoc on our bodies and is wreaking havoc on bodies in this congregation. Adult children, some of them, are rebelling. Miscarriages have brought pain to people in this church, and on and on and on I could go. We, right, we're striving to follow Jesus. That's why we're here this morning. But it would be too simple to ignore the marks of grief and loss on this church family. Advent begins in the dark. So here's the big question Where is God when it is dark? Where is God when it is dark? In the Old Testament, there are two words for hope. I might butcher them, so do not, do not judge me too strictly, but the first one is yahal, and you have to say that, like with that in your throat, yahal. I listened to it a lot when I practiced, yahal, And it just means simply to wait for. That's what hope means, to wait for. And the second Hebrew word in the Old Testament is kavah, Q-U-A, or Q-A-V-A-H, no U, kavah. It means to wait, and that, that word um, for hope that you find in the Old Testament actually comes from this root word, kav, Q-A-V. And this word is this idea of these cords that are being really pulled really, really tight, so they're tense, and they're waiting to have, like, release happen. That's kav, and kavah is when those, those, the, the cords they break or they're let go and there's the release. That's kavah. So it's this idea, this tense expectation, this tense waiting, this anxious, not anxious, that's not right, this, this just intense anticipation of what is to come. And you see these words of hope, yahal and kavah, all throughout the Old Testament, but I particularly love how you see them in the book of Psalms. The word hope is used over 40 times in the book of Psalms. Listen to some of these texts and how, how the psalmist writes with these words. Psalm 25.3 says this, No one who waits for you, that word, waits, it's the word hope. No one who waits for you will be disgraced. Those who act treacherously without cause will be disgraced. No one who hopes for you will be disgraced. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait for the Lord. Yahal for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Yahal for the Lord. Hope for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Psalm thirty-three, eighteen says, But look, the Lord keeps his eye on those who fear him, those who depend, that's that word, depend, yahal, hope, those who depend on his faithful love. Psalm 39, 7 says, Now, Lord, what do I wait for? Ah, yeah, my hope is in you. Psalm 119, verse 81 says, I long for your salvation. I put my hope in your word. Literally, this verse means says this, my soul languishes for your salvation. I wait for your word. Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait, kavah, for the Lord. I wait, kavah, and I put my hope, yahal, in his word. I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in his word. Advent begins in the dark, and it is appropriate to need a word of hope. Darkness had been Isaiah and Israel's reality for some time. Um, What you heard Alexia read without a microphone, Eli. I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But what you heard, Alexia, what you heard, I'm teasing you, I know it's not your fault. I'm sure it's her fault, don't worry. Um, <clears throat> um, but what you heard her read was kind of depressing, right? It's about darkness, and darkness was Isaiah and Israel's time, okay? That's where they lived. And Isaiah is, is prophesying to the south, so you have to kind of know a little bit of history here. So you had King Solomon, who started out as a good king, asking for wisdom. He ended up as a king, not a good king. And what happened is the kingdom then was split. And so you have Rehoboam, who's gonna be the one, is one of Solomon's sons, and he's gonna take the south and, and be the king of them. And then you have um, Jeroboam, and he's going to take the north and he's gonna be king of them. So you have Israel, is what we call God's people in the north, and Judah is what we call God's people in the south. And king after king after king has come and led these groups of people. And this is interesting because they're all God's people, but they've been kind of warring against each other for some time. They're kind of like, there's not any rest there within the people of God during this time. And we're coming closer and closer to 722 B.C. And if you know your your history, that's when Assyria, this big world power, is going to come and they're going to wipe out the north. Israel. And we're getting closer. Within, we're within like 10 years of that happening. And Isaiah's prophesying, but he's not really prophesying to the north. He's actually prophesying to Judah, the south. But there's something going on right at this moment when he's prophesying that you need to know about. You see, as Assyria is coming to be in world power, there's this other big state called Syria. Not Assyria, Syria. And they and Israel don't want Assyria to come to power. And so they go down and they say, Judah, we want you to help us stand up against the Assyrians. And King Ahaz and all of Judah say, no, we're not going to do that. And it's not necessarily that that was wrong, but then King Ahaz does this really bad thing. He then goes to the Assyrian king and he gives them temple gold from Jerusalem. And he basically says, hey, We will pay you, and we will let you rule over us. We'll become a vassal state. We will be people that have to then pay to you every single year if you will save us, if you will not annihilate us. Because what's happening now is Israel and Syria are like, okay, well, then we'll solve this. We'll go ahead and attack you, Judah, and we'll get a new king in place that'll help us. So they're attacking, and so Ahaz says, okay, Assyrian king, will you be our salvation? That sounds pretty screwed up, doesn't it? And so Isaiah says in chapter 7, hey, don't look to other kings uh, for your salvation. Look to the Lord for your salvation. And in fact, ask for a sign. And, And the Lord says this to King Ahaz through Isaiah. Ask for a sign. Ask me for a sign. And you know what Ahaz says? No. Nah. I'm good. I'd rather bank on Assyria. Thanks, though. And so there's this darkness, and the Lord is speaking about this remnant. these Some people that will will make it, that will stick with Jesus, for for the most part, people are just, they're fading away, and it's really, really kind of depressing. But it's interesting that in the middle of the passage that Alexia read, Isaiah seems to have a moment of hope. In chapter 8, in verse 17, Isaiah says this, I will wait, Uh uh-oh, There's that word. I will wait for the Lord. Yahal, hope. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will wait for him. Literally, this verse is saying, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his house from the house of Jacob. I will even look eagerly for him. That's how that actually translates. I will even look, look eagerly for him. There are two sides of hope. And you need to know this. There are two sides of hope. There's the side um, of longing that is birthed from the chaos and the brokenness of the sin around us. Right? That we talked about. And then there's this other side of hope. It's a side of longing and looking forward to the peace that God has promised You see, hope has a name. Hope has a name. And Alexia read out of chapter 8, but really our hope is going to be found in chapter 9. Before we read that, if you would open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to read 1 through 7, but I'd like to actually read this last verse just to remind you where we are. Of 8, let's see. It says, They will look toward the earth... And see only distress, darkness, and the gloom of affliction, and they will be driven into thick darkness. And then verse 1, nevertheless, you should probably circle that word in your Bible, nevertheless, what a marvelous way to introduce hope. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. Now, that's really, that's really interesting because, you know, when Judah is attacked, they attacked over this crest. They attacked through Galilee. And then if you go into Matthew chapter 4, you know where Jesus begins his ministry? Galilee. So this is a prophecy that actually comes to fruition, and we can read about it in Matthew chapter 4. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. I love that. It's It's nothing they did. Listen to that. The people that were walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. This right here, this is not subjective wishful thinking we're talking about. This is an objective surprising joy that is breaking in upon sinners through the grace of Christ. That's what this is speaking about right here. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. That's the promise to Abraham, right? You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoiced at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils for you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders. The staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. You remember the day of Midian, that's Judges six and seven. That's where Gideon um, is going to go uh, you know, at war, have a battle and he achieves this improbable victory over Midian, by the power of God. In fact, God tells him again and again, reduce the army size, reduce the army size, and then God God achieves the victory. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Guys, he is a ruler whose wisdom is beyond merely human capabilities. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. That's a title the Lord gives himself. Mighty God. Eternal Father. He is our benevolent provider. And Prince of Peace. The New Testament speaks of this peace as peace that doesn't make any sense. Comes from Jesus, the Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast. And its prosperity, here's our future hope, his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom. That's his fulfilling that promise, right? To establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on until forever. It's eternal. His reign is forever. This child is the king to end all kings, saving us from our failure, lifting us into his own justice and righteousness. He is Jesus Christ the Lord, our crucified, risen, reigning, and coming Savior. And he will not come back, you need to know this, he will not come back to tweak this little problem in that. That's not what he's coming back to do. He will return with a massive correction of all systematic evil forever. And the zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. I once found myself in an interesting and sort of desperate situation. My oldest son had gotten into trouble, and rightfully so. Um, He had done the wrong thing, okay? But I found myself sitting in a school office a semester later, and I was asking for help with my son. And I wasn't wanting to make excuses for him, but I, I needed help. I was desperate for help. Please help me with him. And as I'm sitting in the office, tears are brimming, my voice started cracking, <laughs> and I was completely aware that whatever happened next was out of my hands, That it was up to whatever the power's that B were at the school at the time. And I received the most strange response from the principal. It was super strange. But very fitting to an authority who didn't believe in the Lord. Strange, but fitting. The principal looked down at me as he got up to leave the office, and he said, I will look into it, Miss Weiss. But Miss Weese. Do not get your hopes up. Here at this school, we are not people of hope. We are people of reality. And he walked out of the room, leaving me with his parting words. What did he mean? Do you see what he did with his words right there? In that parting sentence, what this man said was, Hope is wishful thinking. That's what he said. He said, hope has no substance. He said, hope's opposite is reality. And for a very, very brief second, I wondered if he was right. It took me a lot of repenting and believing and a lot of truth spoken from my brothers and sisters here to refute in my head what that man had said. And it is the Lord's kindness to me that brought my heart to trust the truth in spite of what he said. That man was wrong. He wasn't trying to be mean. He was just wrong. What he said was not true. Friends, listen to me. Christian hope is not optimism based on the odds. That's not what we're talking about here. Christian hope is a choice to wait on God to bring about a future that is as surprising as God himself coming to this earth incarnate. Christian hope is a choice to wait on God to bring about a future that is as surprising as a man rising from the dead. Christian hope can look around at the darkness and the disaster that surrounds us and say with confidence, nevertheless, I will bank my life on the Lord. So how do we be people of hope? Well, I have three suggestions for you. I suggest that we wait. Romans 8, um, 18 through 25 is a great verse for this. We wait because that's what hope in the Old Testament means. We wait on the Lord. Listen to what it says in the New Testament. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. It's not that the sufferings are, are, are not heavy or weighty. It's that just compared to the glory that's going to be revealed and us, they are weightless. They are temporary, for the creation eagerly awaits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay and to the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And not only that, but we ourselves who have the Holy Spirit as first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now, in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. So, how do we be people of hope? We eagerly wait with patience for the Lord. My second suggestion you can find in Mark chapter 13 verses 32-37 it's just this you wait and then, and then you watch you watch because he is coming back he's coming and, and when Jesus actually describes this through a parable he says it this way he says now concerning that day the day that Christ will return, or hour, no one knows, neither angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Watch, be alert, for you don't know when the time is coming. It is like a man who on a journey, left his house, gave authority to his servants, gave each one his work and a commanded, and commanded the doorkeeper to be alert. Therefore, be alert. Since you don't know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or at the crowning of the rooster or early in the morning, otherwise when he comes suddenly, he might find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, be alert. In our, in our studying for this, Ryan sent me some, some really good articles. And one of the articles, this man describes this passage this way. He says, when you, he's talking about forgetting to think about Jesus returning, forgetting to remember the future that we have. And here's what he says, urgency evaporates if we forget that God, from our time-bound perspective, is always about to wrap things up and our own time of action lies at hand. Urgency evaporates. We are not alert. Urgency is lost if we forget that God, from our time-bound perspective, is always about to wrap things up. That's why we say when we do a missional series, go now. This is urgent. Share with people the hope that you have. Jesus is coming back, and it could happen literally anytime. time. Be alert. Wait. Watch. And then how do we be people of hope? Perhaps one of my favorite things is we remember. That's how we be people of hope. We remember. We remember the promises that God has made in the coming of the Messiah and how they were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We study the promises and the fulfillment that is recorded in Scripture. Study that this week. We remember the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11 these words. It says, In the same way, also, he took the cup after the supper and he said, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, listen to this you proclaim the Lord's death, but don't miss the end. You proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes, he's coming, he's coming, he is coming, and so let's proclaim his death while we wait. This is the body broken for you. This is the blood spilled for you. Now don't get too comfortable. We're not quite finished yet. I want to end our service in kind of a different way, and you're really gonna to have to help me here. Okay, because this could flop if you guys don't do this with me, but I think we are we are a family of God and we can do this. Okay. I want to just end by reading some, some scripture from the New Testament, and there's scriptures about hope. And there's a few of them, so don't become weary in your response. Okay? I'm going to read a scripture, and then when I'm done, I will look up at you, and I'm going to say this, and I want you to say it with me, we're going to say, amen, come, Lord Jesus. Can we do that together? So amen, which is, which is yes, let it be as you have written it, Lord. Yes, we trust you, Lord. Yes, this is our hope, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. We're ready for you to come right now and take us home. Let's do this together. First, Peter 1, 3 through 4, says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And we say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus Colossians 1, 27 says, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery. And what's the mystery? Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14. Some of you need to hear this today. It says this, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have already passed away, so that you are not grieved as others grieve, who have no hope for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so even so through Jesus God will bring with him all those who have previously passed away amen come lord jesus 1st peter 1:13 therefore with your minds ready for action sounds like mark 13 right with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Hebrews ten twenty-three. let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. This is a long one. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says this. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the holy spirit who has given to us amen come lord jesus romans 15:13 this is our last one now May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Lord Jesus, we long for you. We trust you. We put our hope in you. We bank our lives on you. Come soon, Lord Jesus. And he who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon.